I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that belts out the greatest hits of history, one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're looking at the country music genre's long road to respectability, including the role that music journalism played in shaping how it was viewed and what it was called by the public. The day was March 25th, 1939. Billboard magazine began publishing its first country music chart under the title Hillbilly Hits. The chart appeared semi-regularly, about once a month, until early 1942. At that point, the budding country genre disappeared from the weekly magazine's pages for nearly two years, and didn't emerge again with its own chart until January of 1944. The term hillbilly can be traced as far back as the early 1890s. It first came into use as a derogatory word for someone from the mountainous regions of the American South, namely the Ozarks and Appalachia. The word had rude connotations from the start, and was generally used to describe a Southerner who was poor, uneducated, and prone to acts of drunken violence. It first came to prominence following the famous feud between the Hatfields and the McCoys, a pair of rural mountaineer families who waged an unrelenting war with one another for nearly 30 years. That feud received a lot of attention in the press, 
contributing to the nation's negative view of Appalachian residents. That hillbilly stigma would continue for decades, but in the 1920s, the first recordings of Appalachian music finally showed there was more to the region than just moonshine and family feuds. The first European settlers in Appalachia arrived in the 17th and 18th centuries. Most were immigrants from the British Isles, particularly from the Scottish Lowlands. They brought with them the traditional music of their native lands, including English and Scottish ballads, hymns, and fiddle music. Because they lived in such remote regions, Appalachian musicians often had to improvise by playing washboards, homemade banjos, whatever was lying around, even an empty jug. As time went on, the settlers began writing new songs that better reflected their own lives in North America. Aside from its Scottish influences, this new style of music also borrowed from the blues of early African Americans who lived in the Deep South. The resulting sound was something altogether different, and thanks to the advent of radio in the early 1920s, people outside of those isolated communities could finally hear it too. In the early days of radio broadcasting, stations were always in need of new music to play on the air, and in order to attract the broadest range of listeners, and therefore the most advertising dollars, they often turned to unusual and unexpected sources for content. So-called hillbilly music was one of their most unique finds, and it proved to be a big hit with listeners in large southern cities like Nashville, and even in the Midwest in places like Chicago. By the mid-1920s, there were entire stations dedicated to playing nothing but hillbilly music, including popular artists such as the Carter Family, Fiddlin' John Carson, Jimmy Rogers, and the Virginia Reelers. By that point, Billboard magazine had been around for about 30 years, having published its first issue way back in 1894. The first music chart wasn't included in the magazine until 1914, and since radio hadn't come along yet, it only counted down the most popular songs played in vaudeville theaters. Country music, or hillbilly music as it was known at the time, wasn't represented at all until the January 8, 1928 issue. It featured a short article about Otto Gray and his Oklahoma Cowboys band, a country novelty act that toured the vaudeville circuit. The write-up included a photo of the band in full cowboy regalia and featured the group's mascot, a German shepherd named Rex, front and center. One of the group's biggest hits that year was a tongue-in-cheek song called Adam and Eve. Here's a taste. Along came Eve and Adam had a battle. He boosted her up a tree for to get himself an apple. She got two and they each ate one. Ever since then all the trouble begun. In the 1930s, the invention of the jukebox and the rising popularity of radio prompted Billboard to broaden the scope of its charts beyond just vaudeville. The magazine started counting down the most played songs on the three major radio networks, as well as the most played jukebox records in the nation, and eventually the best-selling retail records too. In 1939, the magazine launched its first attempt to chart country music, with the debut of its Hillbilly Hits list. The artists that charted during this era of country music tend to be overlooked and aren't very well known today. 
Sure, there's Gene Autry, the singing cowboy, and he still has his fans, but Sally Foster, the Delmore brothers, and the light crust doughboys aren't exactly household names. And that's kind of a shame, because there's some good music buried in there, some of which was surprisingly progressive and even subversive given the era. For instance, a country duo named Lulu Bell and Scotty released a track in 1939 called Wish I Was a Single Girl Again. Take a listen. When I was single, I used to be afraid. No one would ever wed me and I'd die a sorrow Now I am married and they set me down to weep cause my husband chose to back her and he's slower than his sleep. Lord, I wish I was a single Although Hillbilly Hits was a semi-regular feature in the magazine for several years, Billboard itself doesn't consider it the starting point of its country music coverage. Instead, the company likes to point to January 8, 1944, the day the most played jukebox folk records list first appeared in print. That chart was subtitled Hillbilly, Race, Cowboy Songs, and Spirituals so kind of a catch-all for anything even remotely country-western, plus all types of music by African-American musicians. That's the race part in the title. According to Billboard, that chart is the real predecessor to the Hot Country Songs chart of today. I'm not sure why the company disregards the earlier Hillbilly Hits list, especially since they continued to use the disparaging Hillbilly term for the new list in 1944. It could be because the first list wasn't a regular weekly feature, or it could be that Billboard just really wants the world to forget the light crust doughboys, and mission accomplished if so. Either way, in the late 1940s, Billboard finally took the hint from offended country music artists and fans alike and changed the Hillbilly Records chart to the Folk Records chart. Then, in the 1950s, it became the Country and Western Records chart, which eventually became the official name for the genre. Those incremental changes were crucial to the growth, development, and acceptance of country music because record chart categories help unproven genres seem more legitimate, not just a passing fad or niche interest. By taking the word hillbilly out of its title, Billboard signaled that the homespun genre had come into its own and could no longer be laughed off as a lowbrow joke. Billboard's country music chart changed its name one more time in the early 1960s, dropping the western and adding a temperature to become the hot country singles chart. The change further underscored the wisdom of ditching the hillbilly moniker as the hot hillbilly singles chart. Sounds like something else entirely. Enough said. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them directly to me at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class.
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 